Hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Hey, wasn't it great to hear from DJ this morning a little bit more about this uh, great season that we're in? Such a courageous decision on his part. Uh, and uh, I believe he's uh, such a great gift uh, to Newvine. Um, you know, Ephesians 4 says that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers are a gift from God uh, to, to the church. And uh, certainly I'm looking forward to moving into next year uh, and uh, seeing, this, seeing this gift, I guess, of DJ unwrap for us as to what it means uh, for us to be under a new uh, leader. So, um, hey, thanks for the great turnout uh, last week and the really unified uh, support for the lead team's proposal that we appoint DJ as our new lead pastor. I am so looking forward to uh, 2022. But, hey, that's a con conversation for other times. Uh, we're right on this uh, trackway now uh, towards Christmas. Um, and we decided that uh, in these few weeks leading up to Christmas and the, and the few services into the new year, we've taken some some inspiration uh, from a children's book. The book is called uh, Every Story uh, Whispers His Name. And when we think about the Bible, um, it's way more than a storybook. Uh, it's true that there's lots of stories in it, but they're all actually heading us and telling one big story, uh, the story of how God loves his children uh, and comes to the rescue of them. And it takes the whole Bible to tell this story. At the center of the story is one man, a one-of-a-kind man and we remember the birth of that man at Christmas time of course the life of Jesus uh, I just really welcome you if you've uh, happened in here and uh, you've got a heart towards uh, just trying to think through where faith fits for you good on you for making this time available and I do pray that there'll be something here that would grab your heart today and understanding this incredible story of how God sent his son to us and so Jesus started his life on planet earth a little bit like us a vulnerable and dependent uh, child. And every story in the Bible, uh, if we've got eyes to see it, points to him. Every story whispers his name. He is like the missing piece, if you like, in the center of a puzzle. When we find that piece, then it makes sense of all of the other pieces. The other pieces fit together and suddenly we see a beautiful picture. And so today we're going to start uh, from a story that's right back near the beginning of our Bible. Maybe it's one of those edge pieces on the jigsaw puzzle that help us to understand the framework in which we find ourselves thousands of years later here on planet Earth. But hey, let me pray. Let me pray and invite God into this space. I particularly want to ask, God, what is the one thing that you'd like me uh, to take away from our service today? I don't really end the sermon today with a great action plan, but maybe the Holy Spirit will whisper something to you. How about you pray with me? Father God, we do just uh, want to thank you for the Bible. We want to thank you for the way it's been handed down faithfully for thousands of years. Lord, we want to thank you for the way that as we read words on the page, Lord, they come alive. Lord, we want to thank you for the way it helps us to understand uh, that your commitment to us. Lord, we want to thank you for the revelation it gives us of your wisdom and your trustworthiness. Father, we pray that today uh, as, we, as we talk about your word, as we read some of it, as we just let our curiosity go off in different directions, we just invite your Holy Spirit to speak something uh, into our heart. Lord, some, maybe some person, maybe something that we can action. Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Open your word to us, we ask. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, look, I don't know about you, but I get quite curious about the past. There are so many things that I would love to know more about. 
ancient animals that roamed the earth, civilizations and architecture. I often do a bit of a thought project of imagining other times and cultures, you know, and what it would be like to live in them. And when I do that, it makes me realize that we live uh, in this very unique time in our modern, you know, world uh, that's very different to the lived experience of previous generations and empires. And so we can have quite a distorted or very particular view of things. And I find that quite helpful. You know, the Bible continues to give us the best depiction of our history. It was meticulously copied um, starting from probably around three and a half thousand years ago. And of course, from other cultures in the world, there are other documents. And some of them tell remarkably similar uh, key stories to things that we do read in the Bible, which is what you would expect uh, if humanity shared a common history. But likewise, when I think about my curiosity, there are so many parts of the Bible where I just wish I had more information, where we get a little window into the past, but we're not really sure how literal to take certain things without diminishing the authority of the Bible. What are the details that are missing or has God expressed, you know, events and things with wisdom in a poetic sort of a way that beautifully transcends ages and language and cultures and scientific knowledge that actually importantly speaks to our inner core, to our inner brokenness, our inner yearnings. And so there's great mysteries surrounding uh, some of the things that we read in the Bible. But I think that curiosity is actually supposed to percolate within us and draw us deeper into God. And of course, there are all sorts of things missing in the Bible. The Bible gives us um, a, a grand picture at the start, but then it lasers in and it tracks history initially through one man and then one family living in the ancient Middle East. And that family became became a tribe and that tribe became a nation and now that nation uh, has become a global church. Moses is attributed as the main author of that early part of the Bible, inspired by God. But when we read the accounts, we get these little statements that give us some, uh, give us some idea that Moses was actually distilling together some of the oral history and perhaps some of the written genealogies that have been handed down through the generations, collecting it together, putting a narrative with it, and some beautiful written poetry and prose. These are whispers to us from the very earliest of times. Our story today comes from Genesis 11, and it's commonly called the Tower of Babel. I think to read it from the New Century Version today. Let me read it for you. Genesis 11. At this time, the whole world spoke one language, and everyone used the same words. As people moved from the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They said to each other, let's make bricks and bake them to make them hard. And so they used bricks instead of stones and tar instead of mortar. And then they said to each other, let's build a city and a tower for ourselves whose top will reach high into the sky. We will become famous. There we will not be scattered over all the earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people had built. And the Lord said, now these people are united, all speaking the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. They will be able to do anything they want. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not be able to understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. The place is called Babel, since that is where the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So the Lord caused them to spread out from there over the whole world. 
There we go, quite a story. Was it new for you? <laughs> Let's just pick up a few key things. Um, this, this story is happening a little bit after the time of Noah. And after Noah, the people were commanded again to spread out and fill the earth. The same command that God had given a number of chapters earlier to our very first grandparents, Adam and Eve. They were commanded to go and multiply and fill the earth. And so it's important to see right from the start in this story, the willful disobedience of this people. They're building a city, so they're not wanting to scatter and spread out. You know, a city is a, you know, an, an accumulation of people in the one place. Um, they're aspiring to reach to the sky. Most of the um, versions that you read there will quite naturally use the word heavens. They're trying to, they're aspiring to the heavens, the home of the sun and the moon and the stars. And why do they want to do this? Uh, this version said because they want to become famous. Many other versions will just make that statement more literally from the Hebrew and say, make a name for themselves. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to become famous. And it's interesting, God's response. We see God at a distance. You know, in the past, we've seen God right beside his created humanity, but now we have God at a distance coming down. God comes down and he sees this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of what they are going to do. They will be able to do anything they want because they are unified. Boy, that says something to us, doesn't it, about what humanity can achieve when it is unified. But the anything that God is talking about here is not good things. The anything that God is talking about here, they can do anything they want, is all about pride. It's about disobedience and being independent from God and trying to reach to heaven themselves. So God's solution, it's easy. Let's make it difficult for them to communicate and get along. And so God scattered them. Well, I think the way we understand that is it was his confusing of language that had the scattering effect. Now, for your curiosity, the words here where it talks about bricks and mortar and tar are ancient, and we think that's what they mean, but we're not totally sure. But gee, I find it fascinating that we live in a world with great construction mysteries from ancient times. All over the planet are these great construction mysteries from ancient times. The ancient people's ability to build things with rocks is truly astounding. Which that's really great for people who want to create, you know, documentaries with incredible persuasive and urgent commentary about aliens and mysteries and alignments of planets and all sort of things curious and weird. But setting aside all the spectacular and silly and spurious claims that people can make and making documentaries and all, for all different reasons, including making a name for themselves and making money off what they produce, one clear and basic fact remains for me. All over the globe, ancient people built things that quite rightly should astonish us. Buildings with extremely precise orientations and placement, huge rocks carved with incredible precision. And some of these are hard rocks, really hard rocks, <laughs> at a time where they didn't have steel or tungsten carbide or diamond blades. Many places around the world, these things are constructed out of rocks weighing in excess of 100 tonnes. And in some places, they are just shaped so perfectly to fit together. And in some places in the world, they're shaped in such a way that when an earthquake shakes, they don't fall apart, they tighten up. These are huge buildings and stone circles that often are keeping track of the heavenly bodies, the moon and the stars. And 
Even some of them that seem to be able to keep track or measure the wobble of the earth on a 27,000 year cycle. Today, even with all of our technology and resources, we find many of the things that ancient people do, um, we find those difficult to do right now. And, and they understood stuff about the stars that we've only rediscovered in the last few hundred years. But all this would actually be quite predictable, wouldn't it? If God scattered an ancient generation of builders, builders who were fascinated by the stars and leaders who insatiably wanted to make a name for themselves, these ancient things cropping up around our world would actually be quite predictable as that culture scattered into different places. We also live in a world, don't we, that uh, echoes this idea of diverse languages. Um, the experts would say that there's currently identified more than 7,000 living languages and more than 100 of these living languages are called isolate languages because because they can't really track how or where that language came from. I was reading about this evolution of language. I find it fascinating. They believe that the morphing of language is, is a result mainly of two things. Firstly, language changes quite naturally because of our desire to be understood. We want to communicate important things. So for example, apparently Eskimos in one of their languages have 15 different words for ice because ice is really important and the nuances between different ice is really important in that culture. And so the desire to communicate causes language to evolve. Uh, but conversely to that, our desire to obfuscate, disguise what we mean, also causes language to change. I don't really want mum and dad to know what I'm talking about with my friends. Or in more sinister times, I don't want the other, you know, other tribal people to know what we're talking about. And so this wanting to be understood, but also wanting to disguise our speech, um, takes us off in different directions and causes language to be a very dynamic thing. And it surely is an expression of our creativity, our being created in God's nature. Anyway, I diverge. Um, uh, that's all another story. But alongside, the, alongside these isolate languages, the bulk of languages can be tracked back to these language families, and they often operate on quite different systems, a bit like Apple trying to talk to Mac. Um, they're basic structures that are different. For example, we'll be familiar with other languages that are very, very sing-songy, uh, and the tone of the words is really important. And depending on whether the tone goes up or down, stays the same as high or low, can drastically change the meaning of what is being spoken. Other languages like English don't rely on that at all. Some are built around tenses um, that are totally mind-boggling to us English speakers from the Proto-Indo-European group of languages. And we would have to say a couple of sentences to capture what in other languages, because of their use of tense, will capture in a single word because of the nuance of when the thing happened and who it happened to. That's quite amazingly the different ways that languages are structured. And of course, um, we would also be familiar with languages with very, very different sounds. You know, maybe the most stunning ones are some of those languages all based on clicking sounds that we can't even really hear the differences or make the differences to delineate them. And so human language is diverse and much of it uh, seems to be a dead end when people try to trace back where it actually came from. And this great diversity of language seems consistent with a God who took the pack of language cards, if I can put it like that. He took the pack of language cards, he shuffled them <laughs> and dealt them out to different people. They gave every per you know, gave different groups a different hand and as a result of that, off they went creatively evolving and developing from those basic language 
blocks, all the diverse tongues that we have today. It seems consistent with this ancient story preserved in our Bible and similar stories, I might add, that have been handed down from other cultures that haven't had contact with Jewish, Jewish belief or Christian belief from around the world. And so this story of the Tower of Babel lays a few foundations that we, you know, there's lots of missing gaps, but we can look at the world around us and go, boy, a lot of that, a lot of that makes sense. So how does this story, the story of Babel, whisper the name of Jesus as we come into thinking about this? Every story whispers his name. I think of this timeless story of our universe as being a little bit like the hourglass, like the sand through the hourglass. Every piece of space and time needs to pass through the hourglass like the specks of sand. All of human history funnels itself towards that centre. Every life Find its, finds its place in eternity through that middle part of the hourglass. Everyone, everything is defined by the life of Jesus. Everything goes through Jesus. He is the centre of our hourglass. We are, through the life of Jesus, exposed for who we really are. We find our accountability to God through Jesus. We find our redemption. We find newness through him. Jesus is the point, the pinch point, if you like, of human history. Everything before passes through him and everything after him is defined by his life. He is the door. He's the, the, the way to that new thing. He is the way in which heaven invades earth. He brings an end to the old and opens something new. He's that center point of the hourglass. The ancients we read about had been trying to get up to heaven. They were trying to make a name for themselves, exalt themselves against God. But Jesus, he humbled himself. He came from heaven down to earth to show us how God's invention of humanity was supposed to work, to be an example to us and a life giver to us. Uh, they exalted themselves he humbled himself. Their names are long forgotten, even though they tried to chisel them into stone. He never wrote a single thing, but his name is the most famous of all. The name of Jesus, at his name, every knee must bow. At his name, uh, we must bow. Uh, we too need to pass through that uh, pinch point in the hourglass and have our lives defined by Christ. That's a key thought for us this Christmas, having our lives defined by Christ. Let's recenter ourselves again on the story. God sees the problem and God confuses their language. Why does God confuse their language? Because he could see that in unified language, anything these people put their mind to was going to be possible for them, but it was all heading towards evil and darkness. And so his confusing of their language was, was his way of thwarting evil. He forced It forced them to spread out where pockets of light could survive in otherwise dark places. It's hard to stand out in the crowd, isn't it? It's hard to go against the flow when, when, when the whole of you know, society or your peer group is trying to take you in a bad direction. It's difficult to stand against that. That is part of the story of Noah uh, shortly before this particular story. And so we see how through the confusion of language, God enables a world where the darkness could not overcome the light uh, by building the confusion between peoples. And as we continue on from this story, 
God chooses one man, Abraham, uh, who has a family. That family turns into a tribe and that tribe turns into a nation. And that nation is sort of like a beachhead of light through which God was going to um, mount an invasion from heaven. And that invasion commences with Jesus. And so on the other side, on the other side of this hourglass uh, is, is the global church, the family of God today. But as you would expect, a re- if all this was true, around the globe, there are also traces of these stories from ancient times in other cultures. I remember hearing the beautiful story of the Karin people uh, on the Myanmar-Thailand um, border, a people who from, from time long ago held a whole lot of beliefs where they were waiting for this person to come who would, who would be able to tell them the name of the God that they worshipped. And when they heard the message of Jesus and when they heard the name of Jesus, They go, this is the missing name. This is the missing name that our ancestors have worshipped. And en masse, this this whole people group essentially turned to Jesus and began following uh, following Christ. Um, About 11,000 of those people have migrated out here as refugees to Australia. God created languages so that the darkness cannot overwhelm the light. But it can be hard to stand against the crowd, can't it? And that was part of what he was doing. And so the promised king was coming. That's what we celebrate at Christmas and Easter time, that pinch point of the life of Christ in the hourglass, the centre of history, the birth, the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven invades earth. And when we are reminded that the cultures and languages in the world, when we hear other people speaking in a language that we don't know, let's let it remind us of this beautiful story. Let's let it remind us. Let's let it whisper the name of Jesus. When we see the subtitles on our screen, maybe you're flicking past SBS or um, you're watching something on the news and the subtitles come up, let's let that, that the breadth of the language in the world, the difference of the cultures, let it remind us of what God is at work doing. When we travel to places afar, oh, it'll be good to be able to travel again, hey? When we travel to places afar and visit other cultures, let it remind us of this big story of how God uh, moved people uh, through the confusion of languages so that he could bring us back together in Jesus. Let's remember the pinch point where heaven came to earth to make us one people. You see, Jesus said he was going to put his spirit in us. He was going to make us one, one people. He, before he uh, transcended to heaven again, he said, my spirit uh, will come and he will guide you and empower you. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait here, wait in Jerusalem. Until what? Well, what actually happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them? I think it's absolutely beautiful when we read of the day of Pentecost in those first chapters of the book of Acts. We find out that the initial gift, the initial empowering alongside of the joy and the overwhelming sense of God's presence uh, was a gift of supernatural language. It was sort of like the unbabbling. It was the undoing of what had happened in Babel, or at least it was symbolic of something new that had happened. There was a time where God confused their language, but now he was giving them the ability to speak in the languages of the world. The day of Pentecost, in a sense, it's the antithesis of the day uh, of that story in Babel. And so Jesus told them to go and make 
disciples, to spread out. And this echoes God's command right back at the very front of our Bibles, telling humanity to spread out and to fill the earth. Jesus is now saying to his followers, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit and I want you to spread out. I want you to go and to make disciples of all of the nations and all of the peoples. And so the gift of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is like a memorial stone, if you like. The ability, you know, that that, that, uh, supernatural ability to speak in tongues that happened on the day of Pentecost for the early church was like this constant reminder that God had again told his people to go and spread out in all of the earth, taking the light with them and making disciples. In a sense, bringing God's people back home, bringing them back into one family. And so God, through Jesus, began uniting one family out of every tribe and every tongue across the, fa- across the planet. Do you love the fact that as a Christian, you are part of this unified family? And one day in heaven, it says very clearly that people will be gathered before the throne of God from every tribe and tongue on earth. It's such a joy to be part of this family, this nation, this tribe, if you like, that transcends the the races and the languages and the cultures of the the world that we live in. And uh, and when I reflect on my own travels in missions and, and going to other parts of the earth, it's such a joy to meet brothers and sisters in faith. And I think of my brothers and sisters that I have cherished memories of in the Solomon Islands and the wonderful story of of the Solomon Islands, hearing the whisper of this name of Jesus. Uh, Brothers brothers and sisters that I've cherished in meeting in in Malawi, in Russia, in Thailand, in Indonesia. Just the richness of the sense that we belong to the one God. And right here at home at New Vine, we are a place of diverse people, brothers and sisters who love Jesus, unified by him, God's spirit who determines the times and places. And so here at New Vine, we get a sort of a glimpse of that. We've got people who are not, not from far. They're, they have an awabakal heritage. Um, but we've got those who have come from the ends of the earth, from Africa, Europe, people of Slavic background, Middle East, Persia, India, Asia, the Pacific, South America, North America, and even we even let the Kiwis in. Um, and I love this growing sense of international diversity amongst our church family here at Newvine. It's sort of a taste of heaven. We need to cherish that and, and, uh, and champion that. And so different human tongues exist, but there's one heavenly language that Jesus teaches us, and that's the language of love, the language of the gospel, the good news that God sent his son. He has a plan and a purpose for us. He wants us to live uh, in unity with him. And this is the whisper. This is the whisper that I want to encourage you to hear this Christmas, the name of Jesus, the the greatest name of all. And so as we finish up our thoughts and I I leave you to say, what is it? How am I supposed to respond to this in this season? Can I encourage you where you can to share the hope that you have in Jesus? Go into your world and whisper his name in the ears of others and draw their attention to him. He wants us to look for him. He wants us to look for him, whisper his name into the ears of others and encourage them to give their attention to him. Jesus is the centerpiece of humanity. He's that pinch point in the hourglass. Uh, Everything is defined through him. We're defined and we're refined through Jesus. So can I encourage you this Christmas season with your family, with your friends, with your workmates, um, with all of those that your life bumps into, be a participant in this sort of great undoing of the tower 
of Babel and, and help people to understand the name of Jesus and the, the law of love that he pours out into our hearts. Bless you.